Welcome to Canine Nation. It's Sunday, July 28, 2019. This is episode 146. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the podcast. This is Eric Brad. One of the most important things I learned after changing to reward-based training is that if you can't keep your dog's interest, you're not going to get very far with your training. I found that keeping my dog's interest really came down to a simple matter of making it worth her while to continue working with me. I think it's a very human thing to assume that the simple behaviors we want to teach our dogs are as easy for them to understand and do as they would be for us, but that isn't necessarily the case. Keeping my dog interested in working with me during training really comes down to motivation. If I want to teach my dog, it's important that I keep her attention, and the best way to keep her attention is to keep her motivated to work with me. All that takes is a little common sense and some creativity. I explored this topic in an essay I wrote called Staying in the Game, How to Motivate Your Dog. Building motivation is not something people generally associate with dogs. After all, there are no doggy motivational speakers or self-help workshops for dogs. We just assume that our dogs will want to do what we ask of them. Most of the time, we ask them without considering things from their perspective. But what's in it for them if they do what we ask? Companionship? Adventure? Tasty snacks? Fun? Maybe even nothing at all? The answer is far more complex than you might think. We do lots of things with our dogs, from going on long drives together to taking walks to just sitting and watching TV together. Training is only one aspect of our relationship with our dogs. Every household has its own idea of how much time and effort should be spent on training. And training itself can mean different things to different homes. Some people may see teaching their dogs as work only to be done to address a problem. Others may find it a complicated and frustrating chore that they have to do because it has to get done. But in our house, training is a game full of laughter, creativity, and good feelings for both the dogs and the humans. And that doesn't happen by accident. There's an old saying, you have to be in it to win it. Certainly, you can't win if you don't play. Getting your dogs to learn, whether it's in the context of a training game or a more structured environment like training classes, presents you with the challenge of getting and keeping your dog's attention. That gets to the heart of motivation. How do you get your dog to work with you? The answer? You need to get your dog in the game. I've mentioned before on the podcast that I think there are two different views on motivation in the current dog training world. The do-it-or-else school and the do-it-for-this school. For this podcast, we won't be dealing with the do-it-or-else philosophy that basically uses threats and intimidation to motivate the dog to cooperate. Instead, 
Let's look at ways to motivate your dog to work with you because they actually prefer that over other options available to them. Before we start, let me remind you of something. When you look over at your dog and say, sit, realize that she can walk away, ignore you completely, or do what you asked. My dogs have done all three of these things at various times, by the way. In the moment when they hear your cue, they make a decision about what to do. How your dog responds to you is a choice that they make. Fortunately, there are ways for us to influence their choices. So, what does your dog base this decision on? She's actually considering all of the other times you've asked her to do that thing. Sit, for example. And she remembers what happened after she did it for you. Did she get a cookie or a treat? Was she released from the car for a fun hike? Did you throw a ball for her to have a good game of fetch? So really, what your dog is considering is the likely consequence of her response to your request for her to sit. Your job as a trainer is simply to influence that decision. If my dog loves roast beef, and I mean loves roast beef, and I've given her a bit of roast beef dozens of times for sitting when I ask, she might believe that the chances are pretty good that she's going to get roast beef if she sits. That would make her highly motivated to sit because A. She knows how to sit and B. In the past, she's gotten yummy roast beef and there's a good chance that she could get that treat again. Something even more interesting can happen as well. She loves roast beef. She gets roast beef for sitting. After enough sits that earn her roast beef, the sitting itself will become pretty motivating because of all the pleasant memories she's accumulated over time. Initially, my dog's motivation for sitting was to obtain the roast beef. After a time, she began offering the sit when I asked because of all the times I was good to her in the past when she did that behavior. Still further down the road, she even began to sit when asked because she knows it's something that she knows and does well. It's a bit of a stretch to make that last claim with any certainty, since I can't actually ask my dog what she's feeling. All I know is this. The more times I reward my dog for sitting, the less she minds those times when I don't give her a reward for sitting. But, you may say, my dog isn't the slightest bit interested in roast beef. Well, that would surprise me, but I'm sure there must be something in your dog's life that he or she is passionate about. Maybe it's a ball, or going for walks, or playing a good game of tug. The key is to discover those things that your dog values and turn them to your advantage to keep your dog motivated to work with you. But just knowing what your dog wants is not enough if you don't make that valuable reward easy to get. The amount of roast beef, or how often my dog gets it, will affect how motivating that treat is to her. If the roast beef only comes out after my dog does dozens of behaviors, or she has to work very hard to learn something new before a reward happens, then my dog could reasonably decide that not even roast beef is worth that much effort. So another aspect of motivating your dog to work with you is making good rewards obtainable. 
and that's going to change as your dog gets better at what you're training. Teaching your dog to roll over may be very difficult in the beginning, and you may need to reward very frequently with high-value treats to keep your dog trying and working with you. But after several hundred successful rollovers with great rewards, it's a lot easier and doesn't need such a high pay rate. And maybe even just kibble would be enough instead of roast beef or cheese. A common mistake dog trainers can fall into, myself included, is assuming too quickly that a behavior has moved into that easy category and doesn't need the high-value or high-frequency reward. You might begin to tell yourself that my dog knows what to do and she doesn't need the reward of a good game of tug or that food treat to keep her motivated. This is where training can start to break down, and it happens very slowly. You might not even realize that you have been under-motivating your dog until it appears that your dog just isn't listening to you at all when you say sit. You might think your dog is being stubborn or defiant, but they are really just showing you that you haven't been making it worth their time lately. And that's important information. That's something you can do something about. It's probably time to give your dog a bit more play or a few more walks or some food treats to increase their responses to your requests. Even people will only volunteer for so long before they want something in return for their efforts. Most of us have a good sense of fairness. We know when we're getting something in return for what we give out to others, whether it involves our jobs, our marriages, or our friendships. I think we should also have this sense of fairness in living and working with our dogs. Our dogs are only too happy to work with us if we just make sure we're giving enough back to them. Think of it as a goodwill bank account. Each time you reward a behavior, your balance goes up. The more frequently you pay into that goodwill account for your dog's cooperation, the bigger your balance is. The higher the value of your rewards, the faster your balance grows. But each time you don't reward a behavior, you are making a withdrawal on that goodwill account. Just how much is taken out depends on what you're asking for and how often you've rewarded that behavior in the past. Life happens, and we can't always reward behaviors, but the trick is to keep that goodwill balance substantially in the positive. Take a look at how you go through your day with your dog and consider how you have been motivating them to do things with and for you. Are you generous or are you stingy? Are you a Tony Robbins motivator or are you an Ebenezer Scrooge taskmaster? Then, Look at how interested your dog is in doing things with you. That should tell you if you need to do more for motivation or not. If you're like me, you're just trying to get that smiling, happy dog face with the bright eyes to look up at you every morning. I'm more successful some days than others, I have to admit. But keeping my dog in the game and keeping her motivated to work with me is something that I constantly work at and paying careful attention to that goodwill bank account has paid huge dividends for both me and my dogs in our training and in our life together. 
If you enjoy these podcasts, why not drop by our website at caninenation.ca and you'll find dozens more to listen to. While you're at it, perhaps click on the donate button and offer us a dollar or five or whatever you'd like to give to help support the podcast and help us keep the lights on. Or you can support the podcast by spreading the word on social media or leaving us a review on iTunes. I'd love to hear feedback from you about the podcast. If you have any comments, stories, or questions, you can email me at talk2 at caninenation.ca. That's talk and the number 2 at caninenation.ca. I look forward to your comments. Canine Nation is also on Facebook. You can find our Canine Nation page where we post information about the latest articles, podcasts, and news about Canine Nation events. We also have a discussion group, the Canine Nation Forum. It's a place to discuss the podcast, the Canine Nation essays, life with dogs, and training our dogs, or just to share some information we found around the Internet. Thank you for listening. I'd appreciate it if you'd share this with the dog people in your life. I guess that's all for now. Until next time, have fun with your dogs.